Hello and welcome to the Middle East Forums webinar series, Israel Insider with Ashley Perry. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Mr. Ashley Perry, advisor to the Middle East Forums Israel office, join us here each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern to update us on all the events going on in Israel. Mr. Perry will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type out your question. Now, with no further ado, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Ashley Perry. Thank you very much, Stacey, and good evening. Um, as usual, lots to talk about. Uh, tonight uh, is the last night, or rather we're now into the last 24 hours uh, before lists uh, must be submitted to the Knesset for the upcoming elections. Uh, for those of you not so familiar with the Israeli system, Israel has a proportional representation system where uh, each party uh, submits a list of candidates and depending on the proportion of their votes, receives that many seats for the Knesset. So if you receive 10% uh, of the vote, you receive 10% of the uh, uh, seats in the Knesset, which will represent 12 because there's 120 seats. Um, what's most important at this point is to see what parties are going to drop out, what parties are going to merge, uh, and there's usually a, a level of interest around this final day, uh, and this has certainly been no different. Um, the most important thing to look out for at this point is um, the, uh, the threshold, the electoral threshold. Israel has an electoral threshold of, I think it's 3.25 or something like that. Anyway. Uh, a party, uh, the minimum of party, uh, uh, minimum amount of seats that a party will receive is four. If it gets under that, it won't pass the, uh, the threshold and those seats, those votes rather, will be uh, what's termed in Israel lost. In other words, they'll be thrown away. Um, so this, the, the amount of uh, seats that are thrown away or the amount of votes that are thrown away is in the tens of thousands, sometimes even in the hundreds of thousands. And that can be crucial to uh, exactly how the balance of the next Knesset is going to be. We've talked in the past how every seat matters, uh, really, especially when we're talking about fine margins, uh, about whether a, a, a potential prime minister can put together a, a government of 61, which is the minimum they would need. Um, and, you know, we really are looking at the polls, we're looking at fine margins. So anybody, any uh, party which is near the threshold, there's a big question, do they go through with it? and try and get above the threshold, or do they drop out hoping or, or calling on someone else uh, to take their votes? For example, uh, there's a party for the Pensioners Party, which wasn't a major uh, party and probably wasn't polling even close to 1%. But again, there's probably thousands of votes and those thousands of votes can make the difference. Uh, Yamina, for example, a few elections ago, where I believe if I remember, less than a thousand votes from uh, represent, uh, representation of the Knesset. In the end, they fell below it. So those 120,000 votes were then thrown away. Uh, so the leader of the pensioners party basically dropped out and said, I support uh, Yale Lapid's uh, Yeshatid party. So now in theory, his, their supporters will now move to Yeshatid and could buttress another uh, seat for them because obviously Yeshatid are in no danger of falling uh, below the threshold. The most important elements uh, tonight, and we've only got 24 hours left, but most of the party lists have uh, come through. Uh, most of the mergers or splits uh, are now known. Uh, and there's definitely, we can report that there's two major wins for Netanyahu. 
Uh, obviously, Netanyahu sees himself as the leader of the, what's called the right-wing bloc. So for him, anything which ensures that the right-wing bloc maintains as many Knesset seats is good, and anything which loses the left-wing bloc uh, seats, possible seats, uh, is bad. Why? Because what happens when uh, all those seats, are, all those votes are thrown away, uh, basically those seats don't appear on the Knesset roster, and then they get put it back into the mix. So if one uh, side, uh, for example, loses 200,000 votes on lost, uh, lost votes, then basically that will obviously tilt things towards the other block. What we can hear in the last couple of hours is Netanyahu is once again uh, midwifed uh, the extreme right. Uh, you know, we know that uh, Batal Smotrich left Yamina, left Natali Bennett and Yelit Shaked to form what, uh, what he called the, the, the Zionist Religious Party. Uh, there was a big debate exactly who that would include. Uh, Habaytu UD, the Jewish home of Rafi Peretz, which basically uh, almost uh, went into dissolution, uh, was won by uh, someone that uh, uh, was very much in Netanyahu's camp, Chagit Moshe. And she has been negotiating with Batal Smotrich to join together. Uh, they were very close to their threshold. Some polls had them over uh, at uh, four seats and some had them under. What they managed to do, and Netanyahu again is seen as, as he was in the past, is seen very much as the person who made this deal. They brought in Itamar Ben-Gavir of uh, Otmar Yudit, the Jewish Strength Party, which is a far right, extreme far right party, which actually even uh, merged with another far right party called Noam. And together, they've now joined with Batalos Motrich and Chagid Moshe. Now, the theory is that together, they are expected to get, let's say, much closer to the four seats. If those four seats occur, then that's a big win for Netanyahu, and definitely this merger makes that more likely. Running together, probably none of them would get in, and there would be tens of thousands of uh, seats wasted uh, on, the, uh, on, on the right wing. So that's definitely a win for Netanyahu, and Netanyahu has even promised uh, certain things like uh, putting uh, one of the members of that party on a spot in his party list, in the Likud party list, he's done that again. Is that fair? Is that moral? That's a whole question, but it's legal. Uh, and also promised uh, all sorts of ministries if they do make it into the Knesset. So that's something very much in Netanyahu's interest on the other side, something that he's been apparently working on for a while is the breakup of the joint list. The joint list, as we know, uh, are four Arab parties which run together because again, uh, separately, they're all around the four mark, three mark, five mark. Some will get in, some won't get in. So a couple of elections ago, actually a few elections ago now, when they decided to raise the electoral threshold, they decided to join together. And it's always been an unhappy and uneasy alliance. Uh, you know, we have um, a nationalist, Palestinian nationalist party. We have an Islamist party. We have a communist party. Uh, so you can imagine that uh, there's a lot of differences there. And as we know, Netanyahu has very much been courting Mansour Abbas, the leader of the Islamist party, um, in recent months, and even courting the Arab vote. What we now know is Iran, the Islamist party, will now run separately. And that's going to be a big blow. First of all, it's unlikely Iran will uh, pass the electoral threshold. So again, on the left uh, side, this is the extreme left. It's a debate whether you can count it on the left side because the Arab list will not sit with any member of the government or with any type of government. But it's definitely a big blow for the, for the Arab list, which are now, is now polling around 10. 
Um, and at the moment, their current strength in the current Knesset 15, which was a remarkable achievement for that community. But a lot in that community have grown uh, tired of the joint list. They don't feel they represent them. Some say that they worry too much about the Palestinian issue, not about local affairs. And we saw tonight uh, Netanyahu, who has very much tried to create that wedge in the community, come out with a plan uh, to spend 100 million shekels uh, on basically building five police stations because um, for the Arab community, crime, violence, gangs is a massive issue. Since the beginning of last year, almost 100 people have been killed in uh, gang and criminal warfare. And there was a shootout the other night. <coughs> Excuse me. There was a shootout the other night between police and gangs and a young uh, Arab medical student was killed. And that really uh, has created a massive um, movement in the Arab um, society. And there was even talk that that could bring Ram back into the joint list, but in the end, it seems like it won't. They haven't officially uh, given their list, but uh, all indications are that they will not uh, join. So that could really hamper the Arab community's representation in the Knesset. And there is talk of Likud even gaining. Uh, Netanyahu seems quite confident that he'll be able to get a couple of seats uh, from the uh, Arab community far more than he has ever expected before uh, because of this outreach, because of this work that he's been doing uh, over the last couple of years. Last couple of months, I should say. Um, the other uh, wild card at this point really is what's going to happen with <clears throat> the left-wing parties. Uh, Labour have seen a bit of a renaissance resurgence under Mayor Michaeli. <coughs> They weren't expected to pass the threshold uh, up until the time where she won um, the uh, chairmanship. And now they're polling uh, very nicely over the threshold, maybe sometimes uh, five, even I saw one polled seven or eight. So um, she's in a good place and she surpassed some of the other left-wing pretenders like uh, Ofeshela, who left Yeshatid, as we know, he's polling well, well down. And uh, not even, I think the last poll that I saw, not even 1%. And one Khaldai, who was supposed to lead this new party, the Israelis, the Israelim, and they were supposed to be the big uh, shock, the big uh, party, especially on the left, uh, to take these elections. And they never really hit with a bang at the beginning. From, from the beginning, usually when you, when you launch, you get a bit of a, a boost. And I think the first poll showed them getting eight, and then slowly it just went down. Now, most polls don't show them going over the threshold, uh, and Khodai has become more and more desperate, desperate basically telling uh, Michaeli or other left-wing parties, there aren't that many others to choose from, please come and get me, please come and rescue me. Uh, Michaeli is now in a strong position. A couple of weeks ago, probably Labour would have jumped at the chance of joining Khodai together, but now Michaeli has a strong position. So um, it's very possible that Ron Khodai, who was supposed to be the big wild horse of these elections, or the big dark horse, I should say, uh, is now not going to even run. Um, Mikhail has put a deal on the table, but it's, uh, it's not one that's uh, particularly interesting for Khodai. It would put him uh, as a backbencher at the best, a low down figure. And at the, at the moment, as we know, Ron Khodai is mayor of Tel Aviv. So, that could, uh, in the end, become, uh, stay, remain uh, as a far more uh, enticing offer than just to be a, a backbench uh, MK. Um, but it remains to be seen exactly what he will do and what his supporters will do. Could they return to Labour, bolster them? 
Mirav Mikhaili's polls are looking good for her. She believes that even more people will return to uh, Labour uh, under her stewardship. Uh, the other party that's very close to the, the brink is Blue and White, Benny Gantz. Uh, as we know, he's really uh, just lost so many of his uh, MKs. He put out his list. He only put out 10 uh, people on, uh, on this list, which really shows this is a person who is the deputy, you know, the, uh, the alternate prime minister, the defense minister, and uh, uh, the leader of a party that not too long ago had, uh, had seats in the 30s. Uh, so it's a great fall from grace. A lot of people are questioning why he should even be in the race and accorded him to quit. Tonight he took to the airwaves. He, he, he went on the TV channels to basically say he's going to be around Israeli politics for 10 years. That remains to be seen. That's in the hands of the voters, but that's another party that's very close to the, uh, the threshold. But the numbers, uh, the recent polls that, that we've had are, are very interesting because on the right side, or let's say the right wing religious, at the moment we have Netanyahu polling pretty consistently around 30. <clears throat> uh, we see the two uh, ultra-Orthodox parties around eight each. So together that's uh, 46. Now where's the other 15? The other party who said that they would sit with Netanyahu, haven't brought it out, is Naftali Bennett's Yamina. Naftali Bennett's Yamina is around 10 to 11. So he's still short. So he basically, the only way at this point, unless he brings in a surprise from across the aisle, the only way Netanyahu's path to a 61 is if he, if Patel Smotrich passes the electoral threshold with Ben, uh, ben Gouvier and Khagib Moshe and entices uh, Bennett, Again, that may not be enough, but that's his real best chance to have a right-wing religious government. On the other side, we see um, the, the, the parties, the, the four parties, which seem to have some sort of unwritten alliance, whether it's Yeshatid, Yamina, uh, or Bennett. Again, he could go either way. Uh, Gidon Saar and Victor Liebman. Together, they make about 50, according to the polls. Uh, that could be bolstered with Labour, who again, are, could poll around six or seven, and blue and white, which are polling possibly around four, or even merits the, the far left party. So it seems the anti Netanyahu bloc does have uh, a slight majority at this point. Uh, never rule out Netanyahu. He's, as we said, a wily fox. He, he knows how to, he's, he's, he's been around far longer than any of these people. He knows how to win elections, he knows how to make deals. Remarkable uh, though it is, today he really succeeded on both wings. At the same time as uh, midwifing uh, a Kahanist party, an extreme right anti-Arab party, uh, he's also making sure an Arab party basically doesn't go with the rest of its uh, natural allies, uh, perhaps because he's promised them something. So Netanyahu is quite happy to work on both margins, whatever uh, suits him electorally. Uh, and that's really where most of the sort of, uh, uh, you know, the talk has been today, as I said this. Another day uh, to, to uh, uh, add in the list. The other, the other talking point is Netanyahu has four um, uh, reserve spots for him. Only two of them are realistic. Uh, he's promised one of them will be an Arab, uh, but so far the Nazareth mayor and some others have turned it down. Will it be Orly Levy uh, of the Gesha party, someone who's in Yeshua Betena and then moved all the way to the Merit's Labour party? Now, could she find herself in the could? Uh, that's a possibility that's been talked about, but there's a lot of uh, objection in the Likud because of her 
sitting five minutes ago with Meretz, which is the extreme left-wing party. Um, but uh, Netanyahu will be polling. He'll be asking his people, who are the best options for me? What will serve my interests the most? And it will be very interesting to see who, uh, who in the end gets these reserve spots. So there's still a lot to come over the next 24 hours. Um, but it's uh, very interesting. And I'm sure even after this conversation uh, finishes, there'll be more surprises. But with that, I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much. The first question is, in Israel's election process, is there actually a day on which individuals' votes are cast? And if so, are there pandemic precautions being taken, such as voting by mail? Um, at the moment, uh, well, basically, in, in the Israeli elections, no one can vote outside of the borders of the state of Israel, except for diplomats uh, and, for example, Jewish agency officials. Uh, at the moment, Israel has no other alternative voting, no postal ballots apart from those. It, the army, uh, people who are doing uh, service, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, the yearly, the annual service or actually in service, they vote separately. Um, they don't go back to their towns and cities, uh, but everyone else has to vote within a, what is it, something like a 12, 14 hour uh, window on a, a particular day. There has been talk of what would happen uh, if people in hospital, hospitals usually have uh, ballots uh, set up for them. Um, and there were some local municipal elections recently and even primaries, and they did have um, some precautions taken, some of them. Uh, did it uh, electronically and some uh, in the municipal elections there were some uh, ways that you could do it by driving through or you don't actually get out of your car um, but that remains to be seen we're supposed to get out of our lockdown next week remains to be seen exactly there was supposed to be a government decision to extend it today the government uh, did not meet because there was so much else going on um, but at the moment uh, it's supposed to end on Friday um, but I'm sure it will be extended uh, uh, much longer. Uh, so some of the English language Israeli press is touting the Arab vote is especially significant this time. Can I know you did discuss this already, but can you comment on this further? Well, it's very interesting because, first of all, if you look at the numbers, you know, Arab, uh, Arab society is over 20% of uh, the total population but they've never seen those numbers. I mean, as I said, in the last elections, they got 15 votes, which is the highest they've ever got. But if you did, you know, you extrapolated these relative size, there should be 20, 25. Uh, that's because a lot of Arabs just refuse to vote on ideological grounds. Um, sometimes they, they feel they may not have anyone to vote for. Uh, there's a lot of talk about whether some could vote for so-called quote unquote Zionist parties, mainstream Israeli parties, even they could. Um, and there's been a lot of uh, uh, sort of uh, news shows uh, going into the Arab towns, uh, especially in the north, and asking people if they'll vote for Likud. And they said, why not? You know, they're doing more for us now than our Arab lists have ever done before. And what we see definitely is a certain level of, uh, let's say, more confusion. At least this is the way the media is portraying it. Obviously, I have no uh, great knowledge, not having traveled to any of these places recently. Um, but it does seem that there is a possibility that uh, some of the, 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 the Arab votes will go for the more mainstream Zionist parties this time. Um, again, according to polls, the Arab joint list is down to 10, which is cutting its size uh, by a third, which is quite big. 
And they're certainly worried about it and they're fighting back uh, the Arab list and they're trying to convince the Arab voters that they are the only ones who, uh, who have their interest at heart and they could are just playing you and that Daniel's just playing games with you and trying to divide us. This is the guy who's made a lot of attacks on the Arab community. This is what they're saying uh, to their people. How can you believe him now? Uh, even Avito Limi came out with a quip when uh, Ram, when it was decided Ram will not uh, run with the joint list. He said, well, the strategic uh, campaign manager of, uh, uh, of the Arab community, it seems, is uh, Netanyahu, uh, because he, as I said, he seemed to be very much behind this. Uh, but it remains to be seen. Uh, they could have claimed to have done polling and uh, say that they've got a few seats from the Arab community. Obviously, we don't know that uh, for sure, but that's what they're claiming. But uh, only after the elections take place, we'll know the truth. Thank you. And can you please explain further the votes thrown away? It sounds like some votes are being wasted. Uh, is this kind of like voting for a third party in the United States with the Electoral College? Um, no, actually, if, in the American system or the British system, or the Canadian system, far more votes get thrown away. In Israel, very few votes get thrown away because if you're in a constituency in the States, in Canada, in Britain, you vote for the losing party, your vote is then meaningless. Uh, if, you, if you are in a blue state and you vote Republican or vice versa, your votes are basically wasted. They're thrown away. They, they have no meaning. In Israel, the overwhelming majority of votes count because if you vote for one of the parties which is over the threshold, which is the overwhelming majority, your vote will count. We don't have a first-past-the-post system in Israel. We have a proportional representation, which means that almost every vote counts, but there's a small minority of votes uh, who will vote for parties. By the way, there's another 10, 15 parties that will never pass the, th uh, the threshold, but these are small, like the pirate party, they're sort, sort of joke parties, or some that are serious, you know, like a, a bank against the bank, uh, a party against the banking system, which always gets a few hundred, maybe a few thousand, but together, yes, they, they, they number a couple of hundred thousand uh, uh, votes, uh, which are wasted, but uh, it's a very low number uh, relative to the American system, the British system, the Canadian, Australian system. Um, but it, you know, in 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 a in a system where every vote counts, and that can be the difference between forming a government and not forming government, these votes are very important. That's why Netanyahu spent so much time trying to ensure the right mergers, the right parties drop out, the right parties come together, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. And what might the consequences be for Israel if Netanyahu loses the election vis-a-vis -vis Iran? Vis-a-vis -vis Iran? Not much vis-a-vis -vis Iran. Uh, most Israelis, left, right, centre, uh, have the same view on Iran. Um, you know, if it's going to be Gidon Saar, Yale appeared, even Benny Gantz. Obviously, Benny Gantz will not be the next prime minister, but... Uh, None of them have uh, markedly different views. They all are avidly against uh, the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear agreement. They're against uh, Iran having any particular uh, path to nuclear weapons. Um, so th there'll be very little difference uh, on, on that strategically. Definitely Iran is very much the focus of Netanyahu and has been for many years. And he puts it as number one on his strategic threats list. But I think that would probably be true of most other senior Israeli politicians and certainly at the highest levels of the security establishment. Sorry. 
Uh, is there any likelihood that Israel would attack Iran's nuclear facilities in the next year, depending on who else? Um, I, I, I mean, it, it, I don't know. I'm not privy to that sort of information, but uh, that would really be the last resort. Uh, we did have uh, Energy Minister uh, uh, Steinitz come out and said he doesn't envision any possibility the Americans would ever attack Iran. Uh, even though the Americans have long said, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, that all uh, uh, everything remains, all options remain on the table. And Israel certainly uh, ensured that it has that option. Uh, but whether it uses it will all depend exactly what happens over the next few months uh, regarding the future of the JCPOA. So one of our viewers writes, I realize that SAR is in the anti bb <clears throat> Is there any chance that he, in essence, being a rightist, that Tsar might swing and join a right-wing coalition under Netanyahu? It depends who you ask. Um, I think I said this a few, a, a couple of months ago when he, or maybe even less, I was in the Knesset and asked a lot of MKs what they thought about Tsar's declaration that he'll never sit with Netanyahu. And by the way, interesting on the Friday show <clears throat> of a popular talk show, the uh, presenters, actually had a piece of paper where they asked him to sign that he will never sit under a Netanyahu-led government. And they basically said, you know, we're on TV now. This is your word. I want you to sign. And he signed. But as I said, I've asked a lot of MKs who, you know, in the know, in the system, and there was not one of them who said that they didn't believe that Saar could easily sit within a Netanyahu-led uh, government. Um, they don't think that he necessarily has the backbone to turn to turn down. They don't think. Uh, I mean, I guess the, the bottom line is everything will depend on the numbers. If uh, Saar has a path uh, to get Netanyahu out, and this is true pretty much of everyone, even by the way, many members of the Likud, uh, even now many members of the Haredi parties, even now Yamina, even now. I mean, Netanyahu is where he is, and he is supported because. He has the electoral strength at this point, but if that should uh, depart, there is no, there's very little love for Netanyahu on the uh, political map, left to right, religious or secular. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the four leaders I talked about before, um, Yael Lapid, Gidon Saar, Naftali Bennett, Abidur Liebman, there's, there's something unofficial going on between those four. And if they get the numbers, uh, it would be, you know, very much in each of their interests to get rid of uh, Netanyahu. Uh, the sort of, you know, these elections are not really about right or left. The, the Palestinian issue is not really at the, the front of center. Security issues are not front of center. Diplomatic issues are not front and center. So even these ideas of right and left, you know, what divides many of these parties is even far less than, uh, than in normal times, you know, because of coronavirus, because of the economy. So uh, Saar would quite happily sit with Yair Lapid, who he may disagree fundamentally with on uh, the Palestinian issue, and Abito Lehman could sit quite comfortably with uh, Naftali Bennett, who he may uh, disagree on religion and state issues, but the four of them could certainly work together in a government to deal with many of the pressing issues of the day. Thank you. And along those lines, what is the chance that these uh, anti-Netanyahu parties would be able to agree to form a coalition? Again, it's all about the numbers. If they have the numbers, then I'm sure they would do it. Um, at the moment, according to the polls, that's the only, that's the, 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 that's the most uh, possible uh, outcome. It would be difficult because they would need to be supported by at least Labour, 
perhaps blue and white, and maybe even merits and uh, merits and Yamina and merits and Yisrael Betena would certainly be a hard marriage. Uh, but again, they may put their ideological differences apart uh, just to get rid of uh, Netanyahu and then sort of uh, try and maybe it would be a short-term government to go for new elections, or maybe they'd find some way to work together on, as I said, some of these other issues. Uh, but everything depends on the numbers. But at this point, this so-called anti-Netanyahu camp uh, could certainly reach 61, according to the most recent polls. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> what impact is the way Israel is dealing with the coronavirus having on these lists, if any? I mean, according to Netanyahu himself, that his success will be governed, or failure will be governed by that, will be governed by the coronavirus, and he's right. Um, he's doing very well on the vaccine program. Israel still leads very much. Uh, well over a third now have received the first vaccine, around a fifth, over a fifth, have received the second vaccine. But now the numbers are uh, trailing off. We're probably the only country in the world now where the vaccine centers are becoming empty. We have more vaccines than people who want to be vaccinated. They have lowered the number, the age to anyone can get it now over the age of 16. That was a decision made a few hours ago. So anyone over the age of 16 can go uh, and get a vaccine. But the fact is that there seems to be a lowering of uh, interest in the vaccine, which is quite remarkable when the whole world is fighting over vaccines. So that's putting a little bit of a dent in the enthusiasm. Uh, on the economy, uh, you know, Tens of thousands are losing their jobs. Um, you know, uh, the longer the lockdown lasts, the more uh, businesses will close, the more <coughs> um, uh, self-employed people will lose their, their livelihood, et cetera, et cetera. So these are things uh, that certainly will worry Netanyahu. But what he's hoping for is that there'll be enough reduction in the numbers thanks to lockdown and the vaccination program that <coughs> that he'll be able to go uh, and open up the economy, open up life, uh, as he calls it, uh, to some uh, semblance of normalcy uh, enough ahead of the elections where there'll be an optimism around. And obviously optimism uh, in, in a country is very good for the incumbent. So that's what he's very much playing for. Uh, and again, we'll see because the numbers are not coming down, the number of infections, the number of ill people, the number of people who are dying despite the fact that Israel is leading in the vaccine program, um, largely because of the uh, variants, the mutations, the British, the South African, uh, et cetera. That's what people are blaming it on. Uh, but Netanyahu certainly has a lot to gain by making sure that things do open up. And uh, we'll have to see, as we talked a little bit last week, the ultra-Orthodox issue is becoming a massive issue. Um, and they are Netanyahu's closest allies. Some people are saying that the ultra-Orthodox could lose this election for Netanyahu. At the moment, we're not seeing that uh, necessarily in the polls, um, but a lot could still happen with a couple of months uh, to go. Um, but there's, there's, still, there's still very much a, a, a lot of time between now and the election. So if Netanyahu can manage to get Israel out of lockdown, you know, the vaccination numbers where he wants them to be, uh, and he's able to open up businesses, he's able to open up malls, he's able to, you know, people are able to fly, open the airports, sporting events, cultural events. If all of these things, and obviously the education system, which is absolutely important, if all of these things are relatively back to normal by the day of the elections, or even a couple of day, uh, weeks before the elections, Netanyahu's 
numbers will probably uh, get into the mid 30s, I would say. He, he suggested they could even get into the low 40s. I don't think they'll get that high. Uh, but even if they go up a few seats and take away from Yamina and Gidon Saar, that could definitely tilt uh, things very much uh, in his direction. So that remains to be seen and uh, we'll see in the weeks ahead. All right, well, thank you so much. We've come to the close of our webinar. Ashley, thank you again for taking time to update us this week. Uh, for our viewers, please join us Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for a webinar with Eric Bordenkircher discussing Obama 2.0 or Biden 1.0 in the Middle East. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a great day. Mm -hmm.